Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Thursday, June 15th, 2023. I'm Mike Kachapoli. How's everyone doing tonight? All right. A big Thursday night show from New York City. Live from New York. It's Thursday night. Doesn't exactly have the same... Doesn't exactly have the same ring to it, but I don't do shows on Saturday night, so I mean that's what are you gonna do? Um, but yes, yeah, so a Thursday night from New York. It's a, it's a, they're getting such incredibly cool weather here. I mean, it's been very cool and rainy, but with highs like in the seventies for mid June is unheard of. Usually it's, you know, eighty, eighty five, even ninety this time of year. But it's been very cool, not very humid, breezy. They were very lucky here. They had a mild winter and they're having a mild summer. So that's the way things are here in New York. You know, I was walking around and I'm uh, taking videos because I have people back in San Francisco who want me to take videos whenever I go away to show the differences between where I am and San Francisco. And uh, <clears throat> I passed a uh, a 24-hour ping pong place where you can play ping pong 24 hours and it was about eight o'clock at night and packed but uh they were playing ping pong i had never seen it before i know we have nothing 24 hours in san francisco so we certainly don't have a 24-hour ping pong place so these people playing ping pong and i don't know if they were, you know you probably got to be really good at that you know ping pong used to be something that you would just play like you know, you play like casually on vacation, right? If you're at a resort, they'd have a ping pong table and you'd play ping pong. But these people now, they hit it so freaking hard that it goes like 80 miles an hour with the damn ping pong. I, I could never play with these professional ping pong. Everything's becoming professional nowadays, right? Everything's like, you know, like a pickleball, professional pickleball, pickleball teams. Why can't you just have fun playing a game, like an amateur game? Like, you know, stoop ball, you know, in the old days, we'd throw a ball against a stoop and, and catch it. There was no professional stoop ball shop place you go and play stoop ball. There was no professional, I don't remember any professional stoop ball teams or organizations. Now, everything is like so highly ultra competitive. It's crazy. I mean, I would be totally afraid to go play ping pong with any of those people in there. You know, it's like playing you know, pool with Minnesota fats, you know, with Jackie Gleason. Impossible. We're not going to have any chance. So, but it was interesting to see. I had never seen that before, a 24-hour ping pong place. Um, and uh, I should I should drop by like at 2 in the morning to see if anyone's in there. It'd be interesting. But so I also went out to a uh, a restaurant just to get some food. And it was a Thai place. And I figured, you know, because I'm having all these issues with my sinuses, I said, let me get some Thai food. Maybe it'll clear it out. So what I usually get is the uh, Tom Young soup, which is very spicy soup, right? And it's very good at clearing the, uh, the sinuses. So I got some of that. I got something else. But this place was jam-packed. I mean, this was 8 o'clock Thursday night. And this place was jammed. I don't see one restaurant like that in San Francisco, just not just jam packed, but people waiting outside to get in, you know, 
uh, on a Thursday night, fairly late. Never. I haven't, I haven't seen San Francisco like that in a very long time. So I was shocked. I'm kind of shocked. When you live in San Francisco, you're shocked when you see a restaurant like that. You're like, wait a minute. What is this here? <laughs> this is crazy. I can't deal with this. There are people here. There's a wait here. Very, very, very rare these days for San Francisco. So, you know, I, I'm looking around. I'm taking videos and I'm putting them up. And I'm, I'm just trying to make people understand how bad things are in, in California, how bit specific, specifically in San Francisco, how bad things are. I would assume I haven't been to LA in a couple of years. I should go down there. Um, I would assume it's better, not great, probably not as good as New York, but uh, probably better than San Francisco, but San Francisco is in, a, is in such bad shape. I mean, it's, uh, they are, Closing shops and closing malls. And Good Morning America reports that downtown San Francisco is t too dangerous to film live in the morning. Okay. Uh, an ABC correspondent, Matt Goodman, remarked that he was advised against appearing in downtown San Francisco early in the morning because it was too dangerous. <coughs> so it was too dangerous for this Good Morning America reporter simply to stand outside and do a stand-up it's crazy it's it's absolutely insane but they're right it is too dangerous to film live in the morning in san francisco and another thing i'm noticing a difference between new york and san francisco right now is i see tons of cops on the streets in new york I see tons of cops all over the place, standing on the corners, standing on the street, walking down the street like beat cops. I went into a, uh, what I, where was it earlier? Paris baguette earlier to get something to eat. And there were like five cops upstairs sitting, eating in the place. So I've seen cops everywhere, everywhere. I never see a cop anymore in San Francisco. I don't see a cop walking on the street. Very rare. Do I see a cop walking on the street? Which is also testament to how few cops there are in San Francisco, how tough it is for them to get people to be uh, in San Francisco, uh, cops in San Francisco. So it's, 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 it's one disturbing thing after another. And as I've said before, the people, the po politicians in San Francisco just rely on the ignorance, the sheer ignorance of their voters. It's the sheer ignorance of their voters where these people have been, are so provincial that they don't get around like I'm getting around. All you would need to do is simply do a little, you know, do a, a few days in Florida, do a few days in New York, go somewhere else for a few days, maybe Vegas, and then you'll see the difference. You'll see the difference. That's all you have to do. Get out there and live life and actually have an open mind and see the way things are elsewhere. And then you'll realize just how bad things are in San Francisco, how much you're being hoodwinked by the politicians there who are telling you because they're relying on your provinciality to say, well, it's like this everywhere in the country. What are you going to do? Things like this are happening everywhere. No, they're not. Things like this are not happening everywhere. 
They're happening specifically in San Francisco, specifically in San Francisco. So once again, if people got out like I did and they traveled around a little bit, the people who were in office would no longer be in office because they'd be voted out. But the people there were so provincial and ignorant and they simply believe what their politicians and their left-wing uh, state-sponsored media tell them, which is, what can you do? It's like this everywhere. They're not showing you the way it is in South Beach. They're not showing you the way it is in New York City. They're not showing you the way it is in Las Vegas. You know something? How sad is it? I mean, there are a lot of problems here in New York City. I talk about them all the time. I can't stand Mayor, Mayor Shaft. But to say that things are much better here than in San Francisco just proves to you how bad things are in San Francisco. They are just, it's a shithole. It's terrible. It's, a, it's, it's Detroit all over again. Is Detroit, remember, remember when the media was always talking about how bad Detroit was? Well, San Francisco is now Detroit. It's the new, doesn't, San Francisco should be called the new Detroit because that's what it is. That's what it has become. I remember when I traveled to Detroit in the late 80s, I was shocked. I was like, wow, this is like post-apocalyptic whatever's, you know, metropolitan area because nothing was there. I mean, people weren't there. I was told I couldn't walk anywhere at night. And that's exactly what San Francisco has become. It's empty. People are gone. The public transportation is shit. No one's taking it anymore. And it's dangerous to walk around to the point where a Good Morning America reporter was told by ABC, don't do a stand-up early in the morning before the sun rises in downtown San Francisco. That's something you would hear about Detroit in the 80s and 90s. And so that's what this has become. It's urban blight. It's a doom loop. It's whatever you want to call it. It's dystopia. But once again, all you need to do is get out there a little bit and just see how much better things are. And look, not just in Republican-run places like Florida, but even in Democrat, even in Mayor Shaft-run New York City, things are much, much better than in San Francisco. I think a study was done about a month ago where they said that cell phone usage was about 73% of normal in New York City downtown and about 31% in San Francisco. And that tells you everything you need to know. Most of the people are coming back to work. Not all of them, but most of them in New York and a very small majority, maybe one of every three are going back to work, probably less than that because tourism, I guess, plays in also with cell phone usage downtown. But very few people have gone back to work in San Francisco where I say so the majority of people have gone back to work in New York where the minority of people have gone <coughs> back to work in San Francisco. So things are just so much worse. It's actually a depressing thing. It makes me depressed. I'm not looking for sympathy, believe me, maybe a little bit, but it makes me depressed that I have to go back. I don't want to go back. I don't. I mean, I'm walking down the street here and I look, like I said, things are not perfect here in New York. There are problems. There are problems. I was walking and there's a lot of construction. Every time I come to New York, it's like the city's new. It's like just being built. There's so much construction. <coughs> and, uh, you know, where the construction is, you know, with the scaffolding, it makes it kind of like a little private enclave, right, where <clears throat> police might be afraid to see what's going on. And I went through the area, and I, I'm walking down the street. I just decided to come into the Manhattan and walk a lot. And uh, and there are people doing crack. That wasn't fentanyl, at least. 
It actually made me feel good that it was only crack. It's like the old days. I could I could deal with crack. That's how bad things are in San Francisco. I I could deal with crack pipes <clears throat> because the fentanyl. You, I haven't seen any people bent over here. I've not seen one person in that fentanyl bend, the fentanyl slump. I haven't seen that here. They're doing they're doing you know crack pipes. All right, all right. It actually I actually felt like nostalgic. And hopefully fentanyl never gets here. It could. It might be here, but I'm not seeing the slumped over people that you see in San Francisco. The zombies. I don't see the zombies here. So it's even in that regard. Like I said, New York's not perfect. These people are doing crack in the middle of the day on the streets. That shouldn't be allowed. And they should crack down on crack down on crack. But in in, in, New York, in in San Francisco, it's such a whole different entity because of the fentanyl and those people being like he's lying in the streets and bent over, which you don't see here. Like I said, I, I don't want to make it seem like New York is perfect. It's still a Democrat-run city and it's got a lot of problems. But there is a special thing going on in San Francisco that's not happening even in other Democrat-run cities. There's a, there's a, it's a, uh, it's a certain kind of cancer that's so pervasive that there seems to be no cure for it, and uh, it's very depressing to be around. And the idea of having to go back is bad. I mean, in a way, I'm glad that I went from Florida to New York, and I'll, I'll go back to San Francisco from here. New York's almost like a halfway house, right? <laughs> Going directly from, from Florida to, to San Francisco would be just too much of a culture shock. So this is kind of the, the halfway house, but it's much, much better than San Francisco. If someone put a gun to my head and said, you can't live in Florida, Mike, you can't. You, your choice is San Francisco or New York. There'd be no choice. I'd, I'd be living here. So, and I've actually heard from people in San Francisco who have moved here. I know people in San Francisco who have moved not just to Republican places, but to LA, to, to New York, just to get out of San Francisco. And they're always happier. They're always much happier, right? We know people like Jennifer Say and her husband, Dan Kotzen, who moved with their children to a blue city, Denver, Colorado, blue state. Love it. Much better than San Francisco. Not perfect, but much better than San Francisco. So I know I, I, I rag on Democrat-run cities and I, and I promote Republican-run cities and states. And in general, that's true. But there's still some Democrat-run cities which are much better all Democrat-run cities that are much better than, than San Francisco. So what's going on in San Francisco? Well, we talked about this, right? First of all, you've got a much more transient city than other cities. We'll compare it to New York. Much more, well, the West Coast is much more transient than the East Coast. The East Coast is much more generational. But it's... San Francisco is much more transitional uh, uh, city, uh, transient city than New York. So there's that. People don't have the roots there the way they have here, right? So they're not necessarily leaving all their family behind the way they would in New York, right? Remember, people have left New York too, right? They lost a congressional district, New York State, just like California did. But not in the numbers, not in the percentage of population, right? I think I spoke about that with Daniel last night, where like a minimum, minimum, 10%. And it's probably more. If the city's telling you it's 10%, it's probably more. 
losing 10% of the population. That's New York hasn't lost 10% of its population. It will lose about a million people. It hasn't lost that many people. But it's uh, San Francisco's lost a huge percentage of its population. So you're talking about the, the you know the, the transient nature, right? Where COVID was handled poorly <coughs> by by uh, De Blasio, Adams, Hochul, and Cuomo, and COVID was handled poorly by London Breed and Gavin Newsom. But there are people in New York who who stuck it out because they have family here and roots here, right? Otherwise, they may have lost 10% of their population, but they didn't because they stuck it out because of the roots. And in San Francisco, they didn't have those roots, so they just left, right? People like me. There are a lot of people like me. I bet the majority of people in San Francisco are like me. They could just leave. They'll leave friends behind, unfortunately, but they're not going to leave generations of family behind the way you do in New York. So that's the difference between the two cities. Also, as bad as the lockdowns and the masking and the vaccine mandates were in New York, they were twice as bad in in San Francisco. They were the longest lockdowns, the first lockdown, the last to end, right? The masking was the longest. We had the most masking uh, cycles. Our vaccine uh, 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 passport was the most strict. So all of that stuff led to those problems and people leaving and businesses being hurt and destroyed. Also, San Francisco doesn't have the cachet that New York has, simply doesn't. It's a good tourist city, but it's not the tourist destination that, it's not even the tourist destination Los Angeles is, let alone New York, right? So they didn't have that money in the bank with tourists that New York had. They're coming back here in in like, I don't know if it's 100%, but I'd say 80%. It's not 80% in San Francisco. No matter what London Bree tells you, no matter what lies she wants to say, it's not. Tourism is not at 80% of normal. And here it probably is in New York. So those are also big differences. There's a, there's a lot going on, right? The New York had going for it before COVID that San Francisco didn't. And San Francisco could not afford the hit it took with their COVID policies that New York was able to take. And I think that's also a huge difference between the two cities, right? That New York was able to take that hit from the bad COVID policies better than San Francisco was able to take it, right? People said, it's New York. We're going to stay. We got family. It's New York. We're going to go there. We're tourists. We want to go. It's not the same in San Francisco. People said, fuck this. We're leaving. And tourists said, fuck that. There are other places we can go like New York. So all of that has led to the problems. Also, I would say as bad as Eric Adams is, they've adjusted here better than San Francisco. They have adjusted better. They have done a a, a better job of getting back to normal than San Francisco has. And that's a big part of it. (coughs) The adjustment in getting back, sorry, damn sinuses, Jesus. Hmm. Oh, God. Maybe the rain that's coming here over the weekend will help. But, uh, yeah, so that's, there's also that. You know, so I think there are a lot of different dynamics that have caused New York to come back quicker and better than San Francisco, right? Um, but if you get out there a little bit, you will realize how bad it is 
in San Francisco, you'll realize how bad it is. I mean, it's really, really bad. And uh, yeah, hey, hey, Vlad, I see you there. I'll get to you in one second. Just to, to pick up on how bad it is, Newsom doesn't want to talk about California. He doesn't want to talk about San Francisco, right? He wants to talk about Disney in Florida. He wants to talk about Ron DeSantis because he doesn't want to talk about his own state because he's in such bad shape. And so he's constantly chirping, right? Constantly chirping about Florida's gun laws, about Disney, about them sending migrants to California. Now he's doing if, – if, if, if it's not obvious enough that this hair gel king of California, this slick uh, American psycho politician, is all about political stunts. Just look at what he's done recently where he's trying to get DeSantis arrested for kidnapping. Now, Ron DeSantis didn't kidnap anybody. He's not going to get arrested for kidnapping. But it's a stunt that Newsom is doing to virtue signal to his moron voters and the moron Democrat base. Instead of actually working on getting his state in shape, right? Instead of fixing his own state, which is at the bottom of everything in the world right now, he's focused on Florida. Now, I said earlier today, I'm not saying Ron DeSantis is listening to me, but I said earlier today, because there was some talk about like Newsom debating DeSantis, Newsom wanting to debate DeSantis. Could you imagine? I, I would love it. But no, let Newsom, I said, let Newsom run against Biden. Let him win. DeSantis will win the primary. And then they could run against each other and he can debate DeSantis three times in the general election. Other than that, no, he doesn't get to debate Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is actually a man who put his hat in the ring. Newsom is just this little bitch who chirps from the sidelines, right? And is too afraid. He's too afraid. He doesn't have the balls to get into a Democratic primary. Think of this. Governor Newsom, the care jail king of California, is such a tough talker. He doesn't have the balls to primary an 80-year-old dementia patient, an 80, the guy who would be 82 with Alzheimer's if he wins the election, he doesn't have the balls to challenge him. So later in the day, the Ron DeSantis, he came out and he said, let him throw the hat in the ring, except all he's doing is this ridiculous chirping. Why doesn't he actually take a stand and put his hat in the ring and run against Joe Biden? So if you're chirping from the sidelines, this one's for you. Get yours before they're gone, along with a link to purchase T-shirts, which include a photo of DeSantis with the words, stop pussyfooting around. That's what he said. I mean, he has a real serious fixation on the state of Florida, DeSantis said. I mean, I think it's just bizarre that he does that. What I would tell him is, you know, stop pussyfooting around. Are you going to throw your hat in the ring and challenge Joe? Or are you going to get Are you gonna get into it? Or are you just going to sit on the sidelines? So it's amazing. Literally like eight hours after I said that Newsom should get in the in the primary if he wants to debate, eventually debate DeSantis. That's exactly what Ron DeSantis said. Get in or shut up. Shit. He didn't say this because he has a little more class than I do. Shit. I used to hear this all the time. Shit or get off the pot. Hey, Gavin, shit. I know it's a horrible image. Shit or get off the pot, buddy. Hey, Vlad. How you doing, Mike? How you doing, man? Mike, I was thinking, maybe you have hot sinus because you're allergic to New York. No, but I was I had these problems. Look, 
in San Francisco, it's been in Florida everywhere. Everywhere. You know what? I could be allergic to the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of maybe Democrat policies in Democrat states, you know? Well, it's just, I don't know. It's, well, I'll tell you, it's very funny, but South Beach is run by a Democrat. He's a moron, too. But, you know, it's tough, though. You know, to be the mayor of South Beach has to be a really easy job. Once a year, right, you have the uh, the, the spring breakers who come in and make some problems for a couple of weeks. And that's basically all you have to deal with for the entire year, right? I mean, to be, imagine being a mayor of a beach. It's pretty. It's a wow. pretty, it's a pretty cushy job, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mayor of a beach. Wow. But yeah. this is the thing. I know that uh, Newsom, gruesome Newsom, makes all his the hair gel king talks a big talks big, but doesn't live up to it. Again, he really wants to debate DeSantis. Get into the ring. Again, stop pussyfooting, stop talking smack, stop chirping, jump in there. Exactly. You know? But and he doesn't have the nerve to do that, Vlad. Because, he, you know, you know what it is? Is that Newsom won't admit that he really loves DeSantis. He wishes he was DeSantis. Because his, DeSantis loves his state. He actually fixed it. He didn't destroy it like what Newsom's done to California. You know? Well, I think he's totally jealous of Ron mm-hmm. DeSantis. Isn't it? But I'll, I'll use... Um, AOC's uh, thinking that maybe Newsom wants to fuck DeSantis. <laughs> maybe that's what he wants. Maybe, maybe he's got a bisexual. You know, wasn't there a rumor one time that Newsom was bisexual? Yeah. Yeah, there was. I think I think a lot has to do, and this is what I told a lot of the people that are pro-pride, LGBTQ, you know, this month, all that. If you're normally in love with promoting all that, is that somewhere around the line? You're probably closeted. I'll tell you something. I don't promote that ever. I don't go around hating it. I make fun of it. Right. But one thing I've learned in my 50 years of age is that people that normally promote that, they're either bi or they're gay, closeted gay. They're right in there, right in that lineup. Because your normal everyday person does not promote that stuff. Right. They stay away from it with a 10-foot pole. You know? Yeah. No, so, so I was there. Yeah. And, and and you know what? Newsom is known for that. Remember back in 2008, 2009, he said it? Whether you like it or not, whether you like it or not, remember the famous way? Mm-hmm. Regarding gay marriage, the Prop 8, whether yes. you like it or not. Oh, he, he's been hardcore at that. That's why I always thought there's something there. I wish his ex-wife, uh, Guilfoyle, would, would say something to the effect, you know? But I, I don't think she's going to out him. But he no, needs to be out. No, probably not. Yeah, you know. I have a a, a, mon- a monetary deal uh-huh. where she doesn't say anything and he she gets money. So I would think she's not going to break that, you know. But in uh, in light of uh, Pride Month and all that, what's going on with uh, Bud Light? Still sloppy sales? I don't know. I, I I think a lot of people have left Bud Light. Bud Light. I don't think anything they can do is going to get. At least a certain amount of people back. They can, they're going to lose regardless now. I think. Wow. They said if they don't recover by September, they're out for good. That shelf sweep belonged to other brands. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And another thing too is I think they were trying to retract that they had actually uh, promoted the pride in uh, in uh, in the, the state of uh, Arizona. They had supposed to have some event. I don't know if it already happened. It's coming up. And they immediately retracted and said they weren't. 
I mean, to add a self-inflicted, you know, insult to injury, not by somebody else, but by themselves, it's like, where are you going to get it? <laughs> you didn't learn with the Mulvaney thing? You're not going to learn now. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> that's true. If you don't learn with the Mulvaney thing, that's it, you know. But Newsom is a big mouth. We know that. He's just a political posturer. Everything about him is politics. Everyone is, is getting an angle. It's virtue signaling. It's playing to a certain base. That's that's all he is. He's a, Once again, as I've said, he's a purely political entity. It's like he was developed in a lab by the DNC. Exactly. That's it. It's sad that we have him as, as governor here in California. There's no there there. There's no humanity there. There's no person there. There's no real man there. It's a. It's a I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he was like a robot. <laughs> we just have the hell jerk king. I wouldn't doubt it. Like you're saying, it might be his robot, his clone, yeah. <laughs> just doing all the talking. Yeah. He might be somewhere, some somewhere in Europe, vacationing while everybody's thinking that he's working. You know. Yeah. No. There's there's nothing to that person. There's nothing there. You know. It's a. Uh, it's. But it's um. He knows what plays. It knows what plays, whatever it may be, knows what plays to a certain democratic base, right? It's basically, it's the democratic base that has Trump derangement syndrome, DeSantis derangement syndrome. They're cultists. So, look, he's good at playing to his cult. He's good at playing to that democratic cult, which wants to hear him go after Republicans. That's why he doesn't give a fuck about his state. He doesn't care about his state. He doesn't care about the 40 million people in his state. Look at this. If he did, they wouldn't be last in everything. It wouldn't be a total shithole from top to bottom, east to west. All he cares about is himself, his own political career. And he has learned how to play to that base that just gets off on him going after Republican targets. You you, you know, Mike, right now that you were talking about San Francisco, Pretty much the San Francisco, correctly. Yes. I was I was coming down downtown. I went to drop off a friend who lives uh, in the shelters, right? And he's a good Christian and, and a good guy trying to make uh, his way through life. And man, the homeless problem is even worse. Worse. I hadn't gone through that part on uh, San Pedro, Fifth Street, Los Angeles, all that going on to First Street, uh, passing by um, Little Tokyo. <coughs> Excuse me. And I just passed by. I didn't say nothing to my friend, you know, because he tells me already his hardships and everything. He's trying to get a job and get better, right? Right. And I just looked at it. I was like, wow. He's actually right smack in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah. Little ninny It's, it's, like, it's, it's terrible. Horrible. It's horrible. It's sure. worse. It's worse. It's worse. And I don't know what happened to Nisa's policies. What happened to Mayor Karen Bass' uh, uh, policies? You, you know, she's been in already going on one year. And what's going on with her? You know, no oh, results. She's, she's, no she's a horror. She's a horror. She's terrible, Karen. Bass. I thought she loved the people. I thought she was a real socialist, from what I heard. And yes. we don't see LA. We don't no, see LA getting any better. You know, yeah, I'm sure she is a socialist. That doesn't. That's not going to help the people, though. And LA's just no getting worse. And, and not, not the people. And socialists have only helped themselves. Themselves, exactly. Yeah, in socialist and, countries, it's the it's the government. Uh, people who make all the money. It's people high up in the politics who make all the money. Everyone else suffers. Exactly. 
Exactly. It, it, this, is, this is what social don't understand. I mean, right here, when you're being calling, when I bring this up, I go, you want to get someone into power, only that you little do you know, you love the quote-unquote capitalist that you hate, right? The, yeah. the bourgeoisie. But at the end, you end up becoming the very bourgeoisie you hated. Mm-hmm. Once you get into the uh, seats of power and everything, and you end up with the same mess that he that he couldn't deal with or she couldn't deal with, and then what are you going to do? I go, you, you don't, you guys don't do nothing for people right now at the human level where really nobody knows you, you know, just everyday neighbors, you know, community, uh, you know, soup kitchen kind of thing and, and stuff like that. Uh, when you talk about it, I, I do, I do work with the homeless, okay? I do work it's every other Saturday. Mm-hmm. We're going to be having a barbecue on the night. So, I see, I'm there. I see it every day. Yeah. I, some of them are my students in Bible, Bible class, and I hear their stories. It's, it's heartbreaking. I'm actually forgot that I'm in a better place, but I'm not an elite. I'm not I'm not in the middle class right now. But you know what? I'm thankful to God for what I got and where I'm at. That's that's really I'm very grateful to God. But it it breaks my heart to see, you know, some of these people did cross uh, years ago. Some are coming from addictions or they're they're good with papers and everything. Others are not. Well, it's a combination, you know, Venezuela in San Francisco. His name is. Stanley Roberts, and he he did a segment on TV. It was called uh, "People Behaving Badly," where he'd catch people doing things they shouldn't be doing, and ask them, "Why are you doing this?" It was very funny. But he just put up a video on Twitter where he went to talk to a homeless woman, and he asked her where she was from, and she originally said San Francisco, and then he said, "Oh, really? What what high school did you uh, attend?" And she. All of a sudden, got very nervous, and she admitted she's not from San Francisco. But listen to this, Vlad: the 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 uh, the people who brought her to San Francisco, the politicians in San Francisco, the system, told her to lie and to tell people that she's actually a homeless person from San Francisco. You see, that she wow. was forced out on the streets. She used to be have a home in San. This is what they want people to believe. This is the lie they tell. Right. They want everyone to believe that all the homeless in San Francisco are people who are evicted, who used to have apartments and homes. And it's all bullshit. They're told to say that. But what they've done is they've actually shipped people in from other places because of all the things they give away there. They've made it very easy to be homeless. If you're going to be homeless somewhere, you want to be San Francisco. Exactly. This is what uh, a friend that just moved out of... uh, uh, acquaintance that I know that just moved out of Portland, Oregon. She was saying that a lot of these homeless, it's just, uh, I guess, their rule, city rule. They're shipping them in. They pay mm-hmm. for everything. Come ship, come, come, come. If you're homeless, come to Portland, Oregon. And there's a certain sector right there. I'm like, right. I'm like, why are they promoting that? Well, of course, they're sanctuary city, right? Sanctuary yes. state, whatever. You, I'm like, wow. I don't even blame the people, honestly, right now that want to break off from part of Oregon, Eastern Oregon, I think, and they want to become part of Idaho. I don't blame them. That place is going down to right into the ocean, honestly, with all its problems. They're like a mini, mini San Francisco. Right. That you know, everywhere Democrats go, they come and ruin the place. You know, liberalism falls in; it just comes and corrupts it. That's the nature of their game, and it's a sad thing. Right. It's a very sad thing. Hey, Mike, I don't know if you noticed uh, here in the college. I don't know if you're, you know, watch or see. So I've been, ever since uh, it went over, Colin became part of Rumble, got bought out. It's uh, a lot of the lefties have left, and nobody's kicking them out. It's like they're self-canceling themselves. That's very bizarre. Oh, that 
Are they just assuming that's going to become right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, the the guys from the Pangburn Hangout haven't been here since uh, June the 5th. <coughs> and I was, I was like, well, nobody kicked you out. Why are you giving yourself the boot? Are they getting out before they, <laughs> they, Yeah, they're giving themselves the boot. No one has exactly. no made them leave. Exactly. Nobody's reported them. And well, they're, I think well they, first of all, they're stupid because the, the founder of Colin, David Sachs, is a, is a, is a Republican. He is exactly. not a liberal. He's not a socialist, you know, and I don't understand. So why did they ever come to the platform to begin with then? Exactly. If, it was, if it was owned by someone who was a DeSantis supporter. Come on. Exactly. These people are so ridiculous. They really are. Were they, were they trying to prove something? Well, okay, if Rumble's going to buy it, we're going to leave. Exactly. <laughs> Wait a minute. If a, if a platform that believes in free speech is buying this, we're out. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. It really is. And, and I've seen some people, I don't know if they're migrating either to Clapper or some other platform, but I've seen some already. It's been like over two weeks and none of them are showing up. I know some of them, they, they've been on the platform for too long. They need to take a break. That happened to me late yeah. last year. And, and that's understandable. But I'm like, wow. I mean, there's a lot of topics and not start one, think of one prepare material, but there's a lot to say. You know, in some sense, if I don't say anything, you'll probably see me down there in the listener, listener's queue. I'm just listening in. I got really nothing to report. It's just uh, to say, you know, it's just, I'd rather listen in, right? Yeah. You know, there's stuff like that, but I, I don't know. It's just, just me out. But nobody can say that they're kicking out lefties. I mean, my biggest complaint, I mean, it's sad and sad still here in that other one. Uh, well, let, you know, let them go. Well, let's, yeah. you know what? It's a great purge. We just have to get right? conservatives to listen in we have to get right conservatives exactly exactly yeah. no you're right you're right you're right you're yeah, right but you know what's funny is, is is we're not causing the purge it's a self-purge they're purging themselves <laughs> they're purging yeah, themselves <laughs> well it's like twitter they left twitter right Why? yeah because it became a free speech platform elon must get forced anyone off their platform exactly you know it's it's it's, it's actually except for daniel you could say more now. Only Daniel is censored all the time. But for most people, uh, we can say whatever we want on Twitter now. And it's very, there are very few suspensions anymore the way they used to be. So this is what they're afraid of. They're afraid of a free speech platform. Exactly. You know, so it's it's bizarre. It's very bizarre. Mike, I, I was going to ask you, now that you're in New York and you're going to, I'm pretty sure you're coming back to, to California, but. My thing is, uh, maybe maybe perhaps you could do a show on what you recommend for us that have never been to New York. And if we do go, what do you recommend? What restaurant, maybe? Uh, oh, God. Uh, I don't know if I'm that much of a, a you know, socialite to talk about. Oh, okay. okay. You know, I don't – first of all, I spend so much money in, South, in, in, in southern Florida, especially my, my time lingering in South Beach. It's so expensive. I spent so much money on food in South Beach. So I come to New York and, you know, New York is like, is people say, oh, it's probably more expensive. Not really, because there are more cheap places to eat in New York, even mm -hmm. even in San Francisco. New York has many cheap eateries that you can't exactly. find in uh, in San Francisco. Right. I mean, like yeah. right here in Midtown, there's a, right in Midtown, there's a pizzeria that has a buck fifty cheese slices. Which is hard to find these days. You know a buck fifty cheese slices? Yeah. Yeah. Where at? Yeah. Oh I don't know. It's a two it's a called two uh hold on. It's two brothers pizza. Two brothers okay. Yeah I think, wow. I think they have a bunch of them around Wow, the that's like that's a super deal. Pizza. 
And uh, I, I, I was about to tell you, I was about to ask you, is it $5 specials or $5 slices? But you said $150? Wow. Yeah, I got three slices for $450. Yeah, and and they always say New York pizza is one of the best, you know. And oh, it's great! Of, it's great! Wow! I mean, it's so basic. Nice. It's basic thin crust cheese pizza. It's fine, you know. But you can't find that. It's very hard to find that, and, and you forget about finding it in South Beach. But you, yeah. I, it's hard to find that in San Francisco too. I went to a pizzeria in South Beach. Do you know how much a slice of pizza was? Ten bucks. Oh well, that's eight dollars plus wow. tax. Eight dollars, yeah. almost nine dollars, a slice uh, of pizza, Vlad. Imagine three slices of pizza. Exactly, it's like it's like almost thirty bucks. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, you talk to yeah. someone in Middle America <laughs> who buys Domino's for seven ninety nine for a pie. You, you killed know? him. You just killed yeah, him. It's it's yeah. absolute insanity. And hey, look, in San Francisco, I've ordered pizza where it's thirty bucks a, a pizza, thirty bucks for a pie. You know, it's so hard to find that, that, you know, like those cheap places. But here in New York, there are places you can eat. I mean, there are, there are you know, places where they sell, you know, uh, Mexican food. You can get a burrito for 10 bucks or you can get some some uh, stir fry Asian food for 10 bucks. You know, so there are places where you yeah. can go if you just walk around and look where you can get pretty good cheap eats much gotcha. more than in san francisco but a, you know. but a buck 50 that's a 1990s uh, yeah, yeah 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 wow that's yeah. nice yeah that whole like two two slice i think they had like a two slice and a, and a can of coke special or something and you can't find those anymore yeah very very in difficult. fact bring your bring your own soda just get the slices to go you know i you know you yeah. like me i said you know what i'd rather have three slices for the same amount and, and to hell with the soda, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go back home and get your soda. Or if you're with friends, you know, uh, I, I yeah. would do two slices at least. Go on the road and yeah. And by the by the time I'm I'm walking, uh, you know, New York, all the sites and places to go, you know. Yeah. I've ate my pizza. Hey, let's go back for a dollar fifty slices again. We'll walk right. it off. Ask, you know, we'll Daniel, burn it Daniel up. and I went to a place. It's a really good pizza place in San Francisco. It's called the Slice House. Slice House. Slice House. And, but the but the pizza is not a dollar fifty a slice. You know, mm. it's, it's, you know, you're talking five six dollars a, a pop there. You know, so it's yeah. it's um, good quality, but it's very very expensive. So it's and and you know, a pizza is one of the cheapest things to make, right? Yeah, I mean, it has a very high markup value. You can make a very big profit selling pizza. If you had a restaurant, my grandfather who owned restaurants. <laughs> wanted to do this. He wanted to open up a restaurant that was just pizza and coffee. That is a huge <laughs> profit margin. Pizza and coffee. That's all uh, you need to sell. Yep. That's, that's a demand. In New York, like L.A., you know there's demand for coffee everywhere. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mike, I was going to ask you, what do you think about the closure of the Westfield Mall up there in San Francisco? I've talked you know about it a few times. It's, it's a disaster. It's just another, <laughs> another you know, Proof more of, of the downfall of San Francisco. It's, it's another thank you, Newsom. Huh? Thank you, Newsom, and thank you. Yeah, thank uh, you, other... Newsom. Thank you, Breathe. Thank you, Board of Supervisors. Uh, thank you, voters. Thank you for putting these people in power. And this is what you get. That's what it's. It's once again, it's so mind-boggling. It's what makes me. This is what makes me absolutely hate the people in, in San Francisco. 
I hate them because they vote for these people. And then they cry when their stores close. They go, oh, did you hear another store closed? Hey, hey, fuck, hey, fuckhead. Because you elected these people. That's why, fuckhead. Oh, God, I have such disdain for them. I really do. Uh, Mike, I was going to ask you real quick, and I'll be the last thing because I know you got other things to do. Yeah. Uh, do you think we're at forty million here in California? Because I know it went down from forty-five, forty-four to forty. To Are we I still? Mean, the last census was forty, but I don't know. Yeah. Does it feel like it doesn't feel like forty? Million. No. Does, I, it I, like I, the, I, does it feel <laughs> like the fifth largest country in the world? Not to me. No, no, no. I I know there's a lot of people more. I don't even think they're being honest. I think it's more like we're at thirty-six million. And well, it's and growing Sweden's, by the day. Sweden's only 11 million. To me, I think Sweden's a much more vibrant place than California, right? So At least they're not destroying their own economy or their own yeah, state. You know? exactly, exactly. No, the, the, thing, the thing is, when I'm, when I'm on the freeway and, and I'm going about on the 10 uh, further down from, from the uh, where I live here in Monterey Park, I notice it's just a lot of U-Haul trucks. U-Haul trucks that they it's hard to bring back. Mm-hmm. Because people are just making their trek to Texas, the red state, you know, and they're leaving California. And, mm-hmm. uh, and and I'm like, I look at all that, I'm like, wow, another one that's leaving. Well, and by, like, default, I don't blame you. and by default, because it's the largest city, the largest state in the country, the governor, like Newsom, people actually think he's something. If he were the governor of a, of a, of a you know, Mississippi or Alabama, no one would give a fuck about Gavin Newsom. But who cares? There's 40 million people. Does this the state is in the dumps? And then, they, and then they're trying to bring. I think it was AB six six five, the one where if, if your child uh, feels uh, defenseless, unsafe, yeah, and they geez. just go to a teacher and and they'll, they'll, they'll house them as long as they yeah. say they feel unsafe from you. Yeah. And then what? The authorities come in. Uh, you know, guess what? They're chopping off his wee wee because he feels he's a girl or something chopping like that. Chopping off his wee wee. I'm like, I'm sick. Some sick shit. I'm telling you, we're living in some sick time. We are we're living in some sick time. God forgive us. That's anyway, Mike, thanks. For enjoy your vacation. I, I love you, brother. Take Thank care. you. All right. Bye bye. Yeah, but it's always this point of the last few days of a vacation away from San Francisco, where the trepidation comes back of having to go back there. And it's, uh, it's not good. It's not good. Um, maybe that's why people, maybe, maybe I should be willfully ignorant. Maybe that's why people don't go on vacation because then they don't see how much better it is anywhere else. That's probably good. Let me just be willfully ignorant and therefore I won't feel as bad. I mean, that's, that might be, I might, you know, they might have something, these, these provincial ignoramuses. Just don't go anywhere else. And then you can pretend it's just as bad everywhere. So you might as well stay where you are. Right. There you go. Um, Staying on Ron DeSantis, you know, we've had uh, people or one particular caller on this show, I believe his name is Joe, who just has this thing in his head that the woke thing is a losing argument for DeSantis. He has no proof. It's typical liberal stuff. There's no proof of anything. He just because he says what it is, it is. And it's that the woke thing will destroy Ron DeSantis. Well, here's an article written today in USA Today. It says social conservatism is on the rise. Maybe DeSantis is onto something with this anti-woke fight. It's a rare it's rare for a day to go by without some headline insinuating that DeSantis is a fascist or even a Nazi sympathizer. The Republican firebrand has earned the reputation in quotes earned in quotes by backing agenda 
that pushes back against what he calls the woke mob, in quotes. The critical race theory, from critical race theory to gender ideology, DeSantis has built his brand on curbing the leftist agenda that has infiltrated K-12 classrooms and higher education. While liberals and many in the news media like to portray him as dangerous, it seems a growing number of Americans are empathetic to his cause. DeSantis is far from the only Republican governor who's standing up against wokeness. He just gets most of the attention because he's running for president. Many states are debating policies related to transgender athletes, book bans, and abortion, among other contentious cultural topics. These discussions come at a time when conservatism is on the rise. A new poll from Gallup found that 30% of Americans say they are very conservative. Oh, that they're conservative or very conservative on social issues. A nearly 30% increase, listen to this, since 2021. Nearly a 30% increase in the last two years. It is the highest percentage claiming to be socially conservative since 2012. In the past two years, those identifying with liberal or very liberal social views fell to 29% from 34%. The percentage of social moderates, 31%, remains constant. It's all very interesting because it runs, it runs contrary to the narrative we hear frequently in popular culture and the media. Conservatives are often painted as outsiders or on the fringes for their views. Maybe that's not true. This poll, Gallup's annual Values and Beliefs Survey, indicates social conservatives are a larger group than either moderates or social liberals who clocked in as the smallest cohort. The same is true for economic issues, with 44% saying their views are conservative or very conservative. That's more than double those who describe their economic views as very liberal or liberal, only 21%. Gallup also found that 69% of Americans believe transgender athletes should only be allowed to compete on sports teams that conform with their birth gender, up from 62% in 2021. Similarly, fewer people, 26%, support transgender athletes playing games that align with their gender identity, down from 34%. I'm sure Democrats and LGBTQ activists see these numbers include Americans are becoming more bigoted and intolerant, but it's more complicated than that. Liberals have taken an agenda of LGBTQ acceptance to an extreme, especially when it comes to policies surrounding children. Parental rights are taking a back seat in usually important decisions around gender identity, and that's not sitting well with a lot of families. Take, for instance, California, the breeding ground, some of the worst democratic ideas. Legislation in that state would insert whether parents are affirming their child's chosen gender into custody disputes. The same goes for foster parents who would be expected to affirm the child's gender of choice. A bill sponsor offered the example of a child as young as seven as needing gender identity affirming affirmation from foster parents. That's absurd. It's only a matter of time before such policies would expand to all parents, right? We were talking about that yesterday. This is the kind of extremism that governors like DeSantis are fighting, and a growing number of Americans are on their side. So once again, when people like Joe and others come on this show and say the woke thing is a losing battle, no, no, the statistics, you see, the numbers, the actual scientific statistical evidence, the facts, tell us just the opposite. People are getting tired of this shit. There are more people with common sense than without common sense. Thank goodness. And people, and like we've talked about with the LGBTQ, 
they've overplayed their hand. You can overplay your hand. You can be told yes so often. You can never be told no like a child. Then you overplay your hand eventually. And then you get slapped. And that's exactly what's happening here. They overplayed their hand. They were given so much so quickly that they thought they were invincible and that everyone was on their side. And, and this article's right. They did it to themselves, but they will just once again claim victimhood that everyone in America is a bigot now. Everyone's a, a Trumper. And, uh, you know, that's why. It's not because they overplayed their hand. It's not because they've gone too far to the extreme left. Uh, it's not because they've uh, lost all touch of reality that people are, 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 are leaving, are not, are not uh, on their side anymore. It's because everyone's becoming a bigot, right? It's easy. That's the victimhood of, of gays, of, of, of blacks, of, of who are always claiming victimhood, right? Always claiming victim, never taking any responsibility for anything they actually do. Just claiming they are the victim all the time. <clears throat> and that's where we are. But the numbers show us that DeSantis is onto a lot. But I didn't even need to see these numbers to know that because there was a number, oh, just a few months ago, back in November, that said he won by 20 points and a million and a half votes in the swing state of Florida, in the purple state of Florida. Just that tells me that his message against wokeness works right there. That's all I needed to see. If his message was a failure, he would have lost. But his message is a winner, which is why he won. You see, these very simple two plus two mathematical equations don't work with the left. They don't understand them. To them, two plus two is not four. It's whatever they want it to be. Wasn't that um, 1984, the torture scene with, uh, with uh, uh, John Hurt and was it William Holden? And what's two plus two? What's two plus two? It's four. It's five. No, it's five. No, it's whatever we say it is. It's not four, not five. It's whatever we say it is. And that's what the left is now. They're authoritarians. Two plus two is whatever we say it is. Forget all these statistics. Forget the polls. Forget the fact that Ron DeSantis won so big. That doesn't show anything. Well, it shows everything. And it really shows that he can become president of the United States. And he should be president of the United States. There's one more thing I wanted to cover. And this is something we touched on last week. Um, the Great Ventilator Death Cover-Up. This is written by Mike Sanger, the new normal, michaelsanger.com, michaelpsanger.com. You can follow him on Twitter. Tens of thousands of Americans died after being placed on mechanical ventilators in the spring of 2020. It's long past time we got real answers as to how many were killed this way. It's been, uh, oh, let me see if, okay, here it is. It's been something of a mystery why there have been no major studies on how many COVID patients were killed by mechanical ventilators in spring 2020. Early data from China had suggested that ventilators would need to be used wisely in the treatment of COVID patients. And this led to a major rush to procure ventilators on the part of politicians 
in hospital systems all over the world. A small sample of the hundreds of headlines from that period features ones such as Cuomo refutes Trump, insists New York needs up to 40,000 ventilators. New York may need 24,000 more ventilators to fight COVID-19. Here's how it could get them. Which coronavirus patients will get life-saving ventilators? Guidelines show our hospitals in New York City, U.S. will decide. Amid ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, Colin Cuomo announces 1,000 ventilators donated to New York State. A New York hospital is treating two patients on a device intended for one. However, it soon became clear that ventilators were being vastly overused. And the medical community gradually ceased this practice of mass intubation. Dr. Cameron Kaidel Seidel acted as an early whistleblower. Look, this is the guy I was talking about. This is the guy, Mike Sanger's great. This is the guy I was alluding to several times over the past few months. This, this um, doctor, I thought it was a nurse, a doctor who was talking about how they were handling it the wrong way, how they were putting people on these ventilators when they should not have been doing that, when they could have been treating this stuff like altitude sickness and that the ventilators were killing them. He was on YouTube in the spring of 2020 crying. He was so upset about this. And he was probably taken down, probably called a conspiracy theorist. Um, so act as here, we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. I fear that this misguided treatment will lead to a tremendous amount of harm to a great number of people in a very short time. This method being widely adopted at this very moment and every hospital in the country is actually doing more harm than good. In interviews with major media outlets, several practitioners later disclosed that patients had often been put on ventilators, not for their own benefit, but in order to stop the virus from spreading. As one doctor later told the Wall Street Journal, we were intubating sick patients very early, not for the patient's benefit, but in order to control the epidemic and to save other patients. That felt awful. As another doctor told Time Magazine, he says some doctors are intubating early because they fear that less intensive forms of ventilation, like high-flow nasal oxygen, can aerosolize a virus, putting healthcare workers at risk of getting sick. This is more theor theoretical fear than a real fear, Hill says, since there's not strong evidence that COVID-19 spreads this way. As Dr. Rich McCormick told the House COVID Select Subcommittee, the healthcare professionals got it wrong. We were going off of old technologies, old assumptions. And I remember we were intubating people that probably shouldn't have been intubated. As Meredith Case, an internal medical medicine resident at New York Presbyterian Medical Center put it in a series of once deleted threads, hospitals were early intubating patients for many days, if not weeks, in part to avoid aerosolizing procedures to protect staff and several practices changes lead to more time on the vent. One problem is the sheer number of patients. Another is that we are early intubating these patients, given data suggesting improved outcomes and also to avoid aerosolizing procedures to protect staff. We are mostly being transferred patients with single organ, i.e. respiratory failure, from other ICUs to offload these units. These patients have been intubated for many days, if not weeks. Weaning is slow going. Two, the shortages of critical analgesics and sedatives, meaning we are using drugs less well-suited to the purpose. Using second, third, or fourth-line meds hampers our ability to quickly wean sedation when oxygenation has improved, further prolonging time on the vent. Three, 
relatedly, in order to limit the number of times nurses and providers enter the room, we have moved away from our usual plan of IV pushes for anno, let me get this right, anogosedation and toward IV drips because pushes require nurses to enter the room more frequently. Four, these practices changes lead to more time on the vent, which in turn means more time to develop complications. Obvious point, but important. More HAIs, more deconditioning, more delirium. I have two rising hyper, here's another one, hyperbilirubinamase on my service. I don't think I got that right. Concerning phacetolasis, cholecystis. This is like something from uh, the ER show. Um, I don't know exactly how to pronounce a lot of these. What I, what I do know is that they're saying they shouldn't have been doing this. That's what we got. They should not have been doing any of this. The practice of extended intubation was apparently consistent with early guidance coming from China. As fanatical mass advocate and free speech opponent, Zainab Tafuki put it, Chinese scientists had advised many COVID-19 patients need to stay on mechanical ventilators as long as four weeks. Chinese scientists, who else? Some hospitals in New York began engaging in split ventilation, putting patients on ventilators two at a time. At least one New York hospital has begun putting two patients on a single ventilator machine. An experimental crisis mode protocol some doctors worry is too risky, but others deem necessary as the coronavirus outbreak strains medical resources. Split ventilation made intubation even more dangerous than already was. Facing a ventilator shortage, doctors are considering using one machine to multiple patients in respiratory failure, but it's at best a stopgap and can injure the lungs. As White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator Anshi Jha wrote in NAGM, patients who are traditionally treated with non-invasive positive pressure ventilation for conditions such as chronic obstructive pulmonary disease exacerbations may need to be, be instead be presumptively intubated while awaiting COVID-19 testing results using NIPPV as contraindication for patients with COVID-19 because of aerosolization. They love that word, aerosolization of the virus under possible pressure. And we know there was no aerosolization. This fucking moron. As John Ioannidis put it in the podcast with Vinay Prasad, a lot of lives were lost in spring 2020, in part because of doctors not knowing how to use mechanical ventilation, just going crazy and intubating people who did not have to be intubated. Even Tony Fauci eventually admitted that having very, very readily put people on medical ventilation may have caused more harm than good. I think the intensive care has improved. We very, very readily would put people on mechanical ventilation. We found out through clinical experience that it might have been just to make sure we position them properly in the prone or supine position and not necessarily to intubate someone so readily, which might have caused more harm than good. We learned that as we got more experience. That's another thing that Fauci likes to say, which is a lie, that everything is like, "Ah, what are you going to do, right? What are you going to do about it? Nothing you can do about it, right? Eh, what are you going to do? We've never seen respiratory viruses before. The New Yorker featured a harrowing account of one of early victims' experience titled The Life and Death of Juan Sanabria, one of New York City's first coronavirus victims. God, could you imagine being one of the first to go into the hospital? Let's put it this way. If you were one of the first, you weren't getting out. Describes Juan Sanabria's final moments of consciousness before he was intubated. This is another reason. I'll get to this point. Um, this moron, that moron, uh, Bachera, Bakara, who said, well, we don't see people getting sick or dying though we did three years ago. Yeah, because they're not intubating people anymore. Because if you were lucky enough to be like on the back end of this, 
going into hospitals. She had a much better chance of survival than early on when because of the fear and hysteria that was perpetrated by the likes of Tony Fauci and Joe Biden and, and Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo caused a lot of this stuff to happen. <clears throat> At eight o'clock the next morning, the doctor called Wachteris and asked her to help persuade Santa Bria to be intubated. He deteriorated overnight and we needed to be on a respirator. Am I going to die, Santa Bria asked Wallachris. No, puppy, she told him. They're going to put you to sleep for a little while so you can relax your lungs. You're breathing too fast. He seemed dazed. I don't feel sick, he said calmly. Will you be here when they wake up? I don't feel sick, he said calmly. I'll see you on the other side, she replied. Let them do this. As the nurses prepared to intubate him, he bragged about how his daughter was a nurse. Just before he went under, he sent Wallachris one less selfie. The next day, Juan's blood pressure dropped precipitously. Wallachris's sister... His mother tried to visit him, but they were turned away. They told Walcaris to pray. I kept telling them, look at this chart. He doesn't even have a few days, Walcaris said. My family didn't want to hear it. He never regained consciousness after being intubated. By the time he died on March 17, no one had been able to say goodbye. Indeed, this practice of mass intubation proved extremely deadly. A study in Jama later revealed 97.2% mortality rate among those over age 65, who've been put on mechanical ventilators. To put this in perspective, patients over age 65 were more than 26 times as likely to survive if they were not placed on mechanical ventilators. Overall mortality among COVID patients in New York area hospitals fell by over two thirds between spring 2020 and summer 2020. This is another reason why I wanna choke Fauci the way Penny choked that shkivu's on the train. This is what he does all the time with this stuff. He says, well, we didn't know any better. We learned as we went along. But no, that's bullshit because there were many people like that doctor on YouTube who was saying this is not the right thing. We should do it a different way. And they were deleted. Okay, they were censored. They were made to, they were made to believe they could lose their jobs if they kept talking out, you see. And that all came from Fauci and the Fauci mafia. This is why this little fucking twerp should be chucked across the Potomac and hopefully fall, hopefully halfway across, he'll fall in and drown. Hate his fucking guts. So this goes on more, Mike Sanger's great article about this. But I have a question. Where are the manslaughter charges? So we're charging Trump with bullshit. We're charging Penny with bullshit. We're charging a a former president because his political enemies don't want him to run again. We're charging a hero who saved the lives of people on a subway. Where are the manslaughter charges? This is manslaughter. That guy, that poor man, that poor Latino man said, I don't even feel sick. And they forced him on a ventilator and he died very quickly thereafter. Where's the manslaughter charge? Where? I want to know when the manslaughter charges are coming. That's what I want to know. To all of these people. To, seriously, to all of these doctors, all of them, to Fauci, to the, from the top to the bottom. I'm not just talking about the top. I'm not just talking about the bottom. Top to bottom on the totem pole. Where are the manslaughter charges? They killed people. This is manslaughter. This is ab- absolute. This is manslaughter on the highest order. This is a holocaust. These ventilators are basically. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to do it again, and I don't care if it bothers people. These ventilators are the gas chambers of the Nazis. The Venti's ventilators are obviously the gas chambers 
of them. It's very similar too, right? They were basically choked to death. The people in those gas chambers died. They couldn't breathe anymore. They were choked to death. These people were choked to death. Ventilators are simply the gas chambers of the Nazi era. Where are the manslaughter charges? Where? Why are we not going after these people like we went after the Nazi prison guards? Why aren't we putting them behind bars? Why are they still free? Why are they still practicing medicine? Once again, there were people, this is not a new thing. I don't want to hear any bullshit. It's a respiratory virus. It's 2020. We've known, we knew how to handle respiratory viruses in the second, the third decade of the fucking 21st century. I don't want to hear Fauci saying, oh, we learned. We had to learn, you fucking old cunt. I don't want to hear that shit. On top of that, like I said, there were doctors at the time, not now, three fucking years ago, in the middle of the fucking thing, who were saying, this is not the way to do it. Let's do it the other way. And they were called tinfoil hat, and they said they would lose their fucking jobs if they didn't shut up. Where are the manslaughter charges? I'm glad these articles are being written. But they're not a shock. What's shocking is the extent of what happened. Not in 1940, 80 years later, in the year 20 fucking 20, the extent of what we allowed to happen. And people have not been charged yet. Three and a half years later, and they're not behind fucking bars. They committed manslaughter three years ago. Anyone who commits manslaughter three years ago is in fucking jail now. Why are they not in jail for the rest of their fucking lives? All of them. And you do that and they'll get it right the next time. And they won't censor dissenting opinions the next time. And they'll listen to people the next time. You don't put these people in jail and millions will die decades from now again. God damn it. Well... I urge everyone, it's a, it's a very long, I won't read any more of it, but to go to Michael P. Sanger, S-E-N-G-E-R dot com, the great COVID ventilator death cover-up, to read more about it. Gets me very upset. Very upset. Like I said, with crime... There must be punishment. And without the punishment, it happens again. Because people in the future, they don't see a record of what happened in the past. If Hitler got away with what he did, if the Nazi prison guards weren't arrested and sent to jail for the rest of their lives, the Holocaust would have happened again, or it will happen again, if that hadn't happened. But there is a record of punishment, right? There's a record of punishment. We must punish. These are crimes against humanity. These is these uh, crimes of mass death, math, ma uh, mass murder, mass extinction of people, uh, genocide, mass genocide. There's no difference, and you won't convince me otherwise. Any, any difference between the gas chambers of the Nazis? and the ventilators of the COVID era. Zero difference. They're both killing devices. 
and the people who were using them on both regards knew they were killing devices. It's like the Nazis saying, oh, we just thought the gas chambers would put it to sleep for a couple, right? Isn't that the thing, right? Isn't the same difference, right? The ventilators, we just thought they would put it to sleep for a couple of days and we take them off and they'd be fine. It's like the Nazis saying, would anyone have bought that if the Nazis had said, well, we just thought it would put them to sleep for a couple of days? No, no one would have bought that bullshit. We were people like myself, like others, at the time, actual doctors at the time, saying we're killing people, do it a different way. They were censored. The people who censored those people need to go to jail. The people who killed these people because they were afraid. If you're a doctor and you're afraid of catching something and you kill someone for it, that's what they just said with this aerosolization. They had this fucking word that they were masturbating over, aerosolization. And it was like fucking medieval science. It wasn't even true. It was like the fucking cavemen in 2001 being afraid to touch the monolith. There was no fucking aerosolization. And because of that, it doesn't matter. Even if there was mass aerosolization, your job as a doctor or a nurse is to save people. If not, go fucking work in McDonald's. It was safer. But when you force people on ventilation to save your own life and they died, you go to jail. You don't lose your job. You go to fucking jail. Why is this so hard to understand? We can send doctors and nurses to jail just like we can send politicians to jail. We don't just send low-level criminals to jail. If you kill someone, you go to jail. doesn't matter who you are. All right, I'm getting myself too worked up. I'm on vacation. I'll open it up for any calls if anyone wants to call in or say anything. But if not, we'll let's see if there's anything else I wanted to. Uh, there he is. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hey, Daniel. Daniel, I'm very angry. I'm very angry. Yeah, Mike. Um, and you got plenty of reason to be. Um, I, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna call. I was just gonna listen. But um, I decided to call anyway. Um, I, I had a. A really bad night two nights ago um up till up till 4 a.m um couldn't sleep and this happens every once in a while to me because of my thought since my father's death mm. um and it, it was a lockdown death he would likely still be alive today if it wasn't for the lockdown that happened in california and sometimes i feel this tremendous guilt for not being able to, to save him um against these tremendous odds that our governor created. And it's, sometimes it's just, it's just, it's just so, so fucking overwhelming to look around at people that I formerly thought of as friends and thinking, and family members, and thinking they supported this thing. It's important that this thing that killed my father, that killed so many other people. And it's just, I, I, I'm outside walking. If you hear background noise, I'm outside walking. It's just, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to put it in words. And I just don't know how I could ever imagine that I'd ever have a feeling like this, a feeling that of such disgust for humanity. I just, I can't, couldn't imagine a few years ago that I could ever feel like this. I can, I, I can only compare this to people that, that were Holocaust victims, whether they mm -hmm. were Jew, Jews or non-Jews or whatever, that were 
victims of, of, of Hitler's um, ravaging of Europe. That's the only thing that I can possibly yeah. think that people might have, have experienced something similar where they just looked around and they saw people just behaving so inhumanely to people, other people. And right. at the same time, at the very same time, framing it as being virtuous. Yep. And, and, and you don't know what to do with yourself when you, when you look around and you see behave, people behaving in this way. It is, it's just awful. And, and I, I do such a good job of, of denying myself these moments. Sometimes I just can't stop them. And it happened a few few nights ago. Well, and you, you I, I was almost going to hang up and stop listening when I heard you talk about this because you're talking about, you know, issues that strike at the heart of what had been happening these last three years and what happened early on, and the hysterical part of what happened. And it is just sometimes it's just so disappointing with respect to how I feel about humanity. And it's, it's just so, I have no place to put these feelings, no place. And, and, and it's just so hard to hear this, but you have to hear it. And it's like I said, I almost hung up when, when, or, when, when, or that is, um, uh, hung up. I almost, uh, turned calling off, uh, and, um, and wasn't going to call in, but then he just decided, no, I just feel like I need to get this off my, off my chest. I don't know what to do with these feelings. Well, you know what it's like? It, it, you, make, you, you mentioned people during the Holocaust and, you know, looking around saying, and I think they asked the same question. How did we let this happen, right? I mean, they must have asked similar questions. How did we let it happen, right? And it's not like it's information. That's the amazing thing about this. It's not like like I read an article about this and you and I are like, oh my God, we never knew this. And we knew this all along, right? But what's amazing is that it happened. It happened and I still can't believe that it happened. I still can't believe right. that hu human beings, my friends and family did this to, to, to my father and so many people like him. And, and it's just... I just can't get my head around it. I just can't. It just, there's no place to put this in, in my understanding of my fellow human beings. It's just, there's no place for it. Well, and, and that's a heartbreaking story that I, that I, when you have your own personal heartbreak, but that's, it's a heartbreaking story about that man who yes. is lying there in the hospital bed and says, I don't feel sick, Daniel. That it's is like what so like, many. It's like he's like, I can't talk. He says, I can't. I don't feel sick. And they put him on this thing, which killed him. Please, I know you're on my side on this, but tell me how that's not murder. It, it, it's it's a special kind of murder. It's this kind of murder that we you have to go back to the Holocaust to understand. It's because it's a murder. This is really hard to, to talk about. It's a murder that is done for... It's a murder that is done just, just to fit in with this social milieu 
or tribe in to which you belong. It's a murder that is done to protect yourself from being ostracized from some group that you depend upon socially, economically, spiritually. It's that type of thing. It's not a murder done for, for, for most of us. I mean, there's a huge profit component for so many people that got involved um, in the nefarious aspects of what have gone over the last three years. But for those run-of-the-mill Americans, run-of-the-mill Europeans that supported this stuff, the lockdowns, the masking, the forced vaccination, coerced vaccinations, for them, most of them, it was just about not wanting to be ostracized for the, from their tribe. And that, is, has, that is, has tremendous parallels with what happened during the Holocaust. People just went along with it simply not to be ostracized because they felt that that's where the momentum was going. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that is so disappointing. And I don't understand. I I really hope, once again, uh, I believe all my heart these people should be charged with manslaughter. But I really hope that these families sue now, knowing what we know now, and that you have patients saying, I don't want to, I, I feel fine. I don't want to be put on this. And they were coerced to be put on this and it killed them. To me, that should bankrupt those hospitals, absolutely bankrupt them. There was a lot of that type of coercion that was going on, not just with respect to ventilators, but with respect to medical treatment in general. Um, I was fighting it with respect to, to my my father's situation. I was fighting it with respect to my stepfather's situation. And they, for my stepfather, they, they they basically wanted to pull the plug on him, and they had they had a, a Catholic priest come in and read him his his, his last rites. Um, when he when he was he had a fighting chance, and he did. He ended up surviving. He's with us today, he, and and they were they're ready to write him off during that era, uh, that era, and, and it was just. They, they were so flippant about his, his medical care. And I had to fight so hard for him to get appropriate medical care. I was, I was literally on the phone for about an entire two months screaming at medical staff until I finally got a hold of this one physician that would listen and not only listen, was able to communicate because the, there was such, there was all kinds of weird shit in Kaiser hospitals and, and hospitals in general in California where they're hiring people that cannot, I, I don't know, these are foreign trained physicians and they come over here and they literally can, do not have conversational level um, speaking capabilities, let alone being able to communicate intricate or nuanced um, aspects of, of one's medical care. And, and so you're, I'm just screaming at these people, you know, get me somebody that I can talk to. I can't understand a single word you're saying. You're trying to kill my father, essentially, my stepfather. It was it was so painful. They just seemed to want to write anyone that came off with it and came in with a hangnail. They seemed to want to kill. Exactly. That's exactly right. But they wanted what they wanted to do, Daniel, and what that Michael Singer article really illustrates is that they didn't, they, didn't want, they didn't want to deal with these people. They just didn't want to deal with them. So they could put them on this machine and put them to the side. And they were afraid of this ridiculous thing of aerosolization that they were going to get what these people had. So they'd rather just put them on this ventilator 
and, and, and put them off to the side so there's no danger of them catching what they have. These are doctors. These are doctors and nurses. And they're putting people on ventilators because they're afraid of catching what these people have. So they did something that killed them. These are doctors. They take a fucking oath, do they not? Mike, um, I have told you, of course, they take an oath and it's despicable behavior. And I told you one of the last straws that caused me to leave the field of medicine. Um, I don't think I've ever mentioned that in any detail on your program. You know, I'm thinking now that's, that maybe I would like to tell that story. It's, it's, it's too long to start now. But if you ever want me to tell the story, I'll, I'll tell it. And it, it says a lot about um, how physicians are just like everybody else. And they can succumb to hysteria and they can engage in really weird behavior. And it's about my experience as a medical student my, in my last year of, of uh, medical program at University of California, San Diego. And um, it was awful. It was, it, was, it was an awful thing, awful way to treat patients during the uh, beginning of the uh, HIV epidemic. I, some, sometime, if, if, if you have t- t- time in your program, I'll tell the story. Sure. Uh, but but the, the fact of the matter is, I don't care if this was the bubonic plague. That's your job as a doctor. These it's doctors, your job and you knew and, and, the risk. It's your job and, and, and it's not just right. your job. You signed up for it. Right. So people you signed, say, you, oh, you, you had to consider all these all these aspects that you're going to be dealing with people that were sick, some of yeah. which may have pathogenic viruses or bacteria on board, and you could get sick also. Everyone knows soldier, that going in. When you go into the Army, it might be peacetime, but a war could break out, baby. Exactly. You're in it, baby. So don't get in it if you're not yep. going to go to the war. Exactly. And so if you're a doctor and you think you're only going to be dealing with hangnails and gout your whole life, go fuck yourself. Exactly. This is what it comes down to. It might come down to a moment like this, okay? And you got to be ready for it. And I don't care, like I said, if it's the bubonic plague. And people will say, well, Mike, you want no doctors? Well, there should have been. Why, why not? It would have been better if there were no doctors. These doctors didn't know what they were doing. They were nervous. They were hysterical. And they ended up killing people. They didn't yeah, just this... not save them. They killed them. They would have been yeah. better off fucking working at Wendy's. Yeah. Yeah. This, this was a very common story uh, early on in the, uh, in the pan hysteria where patients would come into hospitals. They, would, they wouldn't look like they're laboring, breathing at all. Um, they weren't uncomfortable. Um, they may have had some symptoms that brought them into the hospital, that the symptoms weren't that, that terrible to bring them into the, uh, the ER or to, to their, uh, to their uh, personal physician. And they found that their blood gases were, were, were terrible. And they're treating them basically based on their blood, blood gases. And everyone knows that you don't treat somebody based on any test. You treat them based on their symptoms. You treat them based on how they are functioning. And, and so it was when, when I was hearing this stuff of, of people coming in with normal, um, basically normal physical exams for, for the most part, but their blood gas is being off. So physicians start panicking. That was just like, oh, oh my God, being in medical school. You know, I have a friend who was a doctor at a central city. I won't say which one. Um, medical uh, facility, a hospital in San Francisco. And this is where it was a hospital where they were going to send most of the local COVID patients. And he told me very early on in the process 
that these ventilators were bad. He told me that. He said he hasn't has when he's there, he's not putting people on ventilators. He, he doesn't like doing it because he knows the harm they will cause. Them. But these doctors, like my friend, were afraid to publicly speak out about this stuff because not only would they be ostracized, but their the hospitals would fire them. So they would lose their jobs for simply telling the truth. But uh, luckily, they have enough power while they're, you know, while their shift is going on where they can decide what happens and what doesn't happen. But they couldn't come out and publicly. So there are probably a lot of doctors like that out there, the good ones, who are not forcing people on ventilators, who, like that doctor on YouTube who saw what was happening. But unfortunately, there were too many doctors who just went along with it, Right. And just they went along with that, and they yeah. went along with the narrative. They went along with the vaccine narrative, the max mass narrative. They put up no fight. There's there's so many so many of them. Um, it is it, the, the behavior is disgusting, and like I said, I've seen the behavior um, back in, in the late '80s when I was yeah. graduating medical school. Um, it, it, it's it's disgusting behavior. You, you, it's hard to it's hard to um, assimilate that into one's um, understanding of, of humanity, just like these other issues are hard to assimilate, um, especially w- when you see it amongst people that are trained, specifically trained not to behave in this in these ways. It's 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 it's, it's just you don't know what to do with that kind of information. And this is a theme of my call tonight is. I don't know what to do with, with these feelings. I don't know what to do with these, this information because it is just so out of place in human experience. But there it is. It's, there it is. People have done this. People have behaved this way. Daniel, thanks for the call. You're I welcome. Have a good night. Yep, you too. Well, if we want to get even more angry on the next, we'll uh, talk about uh, RFK Jr. talking about how Fauci had zero data showing the vaccines were safe. And he caught him in a lie. I'll talk about this more in the next show. Um, I'll, I'll, pl- I'll play RFK Jr. talking about this, basically where he confronted Fauci about the data. Where's the data that these vaccines were safe? And Fauci at one point was like fumbling through papers as though they were there. Oh, we don't have them here. They're back at the NIH headquarters. And not only did he never send the papers to RFK Jr., they admitted there was no data Understand that. There was no data. The NIH had no data showing that these vaccines were were safe. Of course, we know there was no data showing they were effective either. If you want to get even angrier at that old, disgusting elf. But we'll leave it at that for now. I'm on vacation, believe it or not, in New York City of all places, uh, the center of uh, nursing home deaths and uh, ventilator, uh, you know, deaths. Um, and... Uh, it's still in better shape than San Francisco, so go figure. But we'll talk more on the next show. And uh, next week, at some point next week, I'll be back in San Francisco, probably back on uh, regular time. But the name of this show is And Let's Be Heard. And until we meet again, this is Mike Shopley reminding you that your influence counts. Use it. <laughs> <laughs>